solid defense in the uh, in the postseason. And um, I was on another situation, another program yesterday, talking about the Eastern Conference. Now, granted, the Eastern Conference, in terms of winning records, is not as deep as the Western Conference. But I think in the Eastern Conference, you got four teams that you that if Golden State makes it to the NBA Finals. And if one of those four teams, be it the the Milwaukee Bucks or the Toronto Raptors or the Boston Celtics or the Sixers, they're going to have their hands full. And I think that any one of these teams can push it to a game seven against Golden State. I think the Sixers could. I definitely think Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo can, you know, can can basically hang with the Golden State Warriors. I think the Celtics, once they get themselves together, they can hang they can hang with the uh, Golden State Warriors. But to beat them is an entirely another matter because the Golden State Warriors have proven time and again this season that they are still the team to beat. You have to beat us. And, 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 and in the playoff series, you know, last year we talked about how Houston was favored. This time, this time around, um, it's clear that the uh, Golden State Warriors are the best team. It's clear. It's no problem. But can you take them out in a seven-game series? Will Chris Paul be healthy enough, you know, for, um, you know, for the Houston Rockets in that conference? And how good are Russell Westbrook and Paul George has been playing his butt off lately. So we'll see. Now I got to go to break. We're going to talk about this with my man uh, Brandon Robinson of the pod uh, of the Scoopy podcast and a number of other basketball uh, publications he writes for. So we'll be talking about this. So you're listening to 96.1 FM and... 900 AM WRD Black Talk Media The Chris Murray Report We'll be right back Celebrating black history All day Shirley Chisholm. I would remind all Americans at this hour of the words of Abraham Lincoln, a house divided cannot stand. This this is Word Radio, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD, Philadelphia, independent black media. This Black History Month, the Kimmel Center pays homage to trumpeter, bandleader, and singer Louis Sachmo Armstrong, the first African-American jazz musician to write an autobiography, the first to host a nationally sponsored radio show, and the first to receive featured billing in a major Hollywood film. Born in New Orleans, Louisiana, Armstrong came to prominence in the 1920s with his charismatic stage presence and unique vocals. His vocal transformations changed the concept of American popular music, and his recordings between 1925 and 1928 popularized scat and are regarded today as the most important and influential recordings in jazz history. Sachmo quietly passed away in July 1971 at the age of 69 and continues to be recognized for his important contributions to the art of jazz music. This celebration of African American history is brought to you by the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts. Visit KimmelCenter.org. Enterprise exterminators will evaluate and eliminate whatever pest problems you may have, specializing in bed bugs, fleas, mice, and roaches. Do-it-yourself kits available. Hurry down to 4943 Wayne Avenue now. 215-849-7070. Drive in with the rapping professor, Dr. Aaron Smith. Drive home with Charles Ellison. This, this is Word Radio, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Philadelphia, independent black media. We are back. Okay. We're back. And um, 
Um, I'm, I'm waiting. Uh, my man Brandon Robinson is going to make sense of all the trade deadlines and all this other stuff. The NBA, one of the biggest disappointments is everybody's talking about the fact that the um, – the Lakers did not get Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans, even though he made it, Anthony Davis himself made it clear that he wasn't happy and, and, and uh, with the team. And so, you know, Pelicans went back out to work and, and, and played as normal. So how that situation is going to round out, we'll see. Um, the Lakers... I swear the Lakers were desperate to get him, but the New Orleans Hornets probably asked a little bit too much for Anthony Davis from the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers were willing to give it up. So we'll see. We'll see if we can um, if we can make sense. We can make sense out of that, and uh, we can make sense out of this uh, situation. So I think Brandon's about to be on the line with us. But you know, it was it was interesting week in the. Uh, and the with the NBA trade deadline being this week, and uh, and so right now in the East, there are some people who believe that the uh, the race for the Eastern Conference crown may have been altered with the Sixers acquisitions. And I'm going to see if Brandon is if Brandon Robinson does he read. I'll ask I'll ask Brandon Robinson. Do you do you agree that the uh, Sixers may have altered the landscape? In the uh, in the Eastern Conference, in terms of who might represent the Eastern the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals, I mean it's awfully close, Chris. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I do think that uh, the Sixers have improved adding Tobias Harris. Um, you have a four-headed monster that is indeed Harris, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons. But I think as much as people uh, love what the Sixers are doing, I don't think the people are giving the Milwaukee Bucks much much credit, which may be to their advantage that everybody's paying attention to the Raptors and them upgrading as well. Um, but I definitely think even with the Celtics, they'll, I think they'll come back in the second half of the season playing some expired, inspired basketball. But the Sixers definitely have upgraded, but you still got to – you can't sleep on the Milwaukee Bucks. I was going to deal with you on that because I saw Milwaukee the other day against Washington, and they destroyed them. I mean, they just dismantled. I mean, I mean, they were up big early in that game. Washington kind of made the game, but it became abundantly clear. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I always get his name mixed up. You know, Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo, yeah. I always get, always, always get that name mixed up. That kid can play, and – I'm beginning to think they might be the best team in the conference. I'm I'm beginning to think that way. I mean, I like I like Toronto, I like Boston, I like the Sixers, but that team can play. And it's I was not just, I, it's ahead. not just Giannis; it's also the supporting cast. Yeah, uh, you, you have George Hill. You have a good coach and Mike Budenholzer, who's been batting the ship. Really picked up where where uh, Jason Kidd left off at. But I'll add, it's not just those guys. I think one of the biggest sleepers has been the acquisition of Brook Lopez. Right, uh, right. I meant to mention him as well, yeah. Brook Lopez is, is doing his thing. And then, you know, at the trade deadline, they got mirrored. So, you know, the, the Philadelphia was, 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 was in the running and potentially acquiring him as well. Uh, but really and truly, man, I, I think as much as people were expecting that just the Western Conference was just going to be this, that people on the East Coast were going to have to stay up late to watch the West, to be honest with you, the West got to keep up with the East. Right. Playing that well. Right. You know, that's interesting you say that. Dude, I was on another radio uh, a show yesterday, and I kept telling people, you know, why don't sleep on the East, especially the Eagles four or five. If Victor Oladipo had not gotten hurt, um, I, I there, were, there were five teams in the Eastern Conference that are pretty good. And uh, because I they, they kept trying to shout me down, I'm like, look, you know, Golden State will probably will probably win the Western Conference. I have no doubt about that. But they're not going to have an easy way to go with any of those teams. If should they meet either a Milwaukee or 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 the Sixers or the Celtics in the NBA Finals? Well, you know, I, I'll say this to you: um, I am the host of the Scooby Radio podcast, I'm also a senior writer at Basketball Society Online. Uh, and what I can say is on the Scooby Radio podcast, I had FS1's Jason McIntyre uh, on the Scooby Radio podcast, which you can subscribe to on iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. But one thing he said to me, which was interesting, was um, he believes that if the L.A. Lakers do not meet the Golden State Warriors in earlier rounds uh, in the playoffs, that the Lakers could go toe-to-toe 
with the Warriors. And I agree. Okay, now explain that to me. And I want and I wanted to get you to talk about the Lakers and their attempt to acquire um, Anthony Davis. But explain explain why you think that the Lakers could could go toe to toe with the Golden State Warriors. Well, the Lakers are not chopped liver. They've dealt with injuries most of the season. They had chemistry early on in the you know November, December, and I think that LeBron James's injury kind of allowed. Um, those young guys on that team um, to kind of find their role. Sometimes you don't find your role within an, uh, an organization until your leader goes down. Mm-hmm. And Lonzo Ball's been hurt off and on. Richard Rondo's been hurt off and on. Then Brandon Ingram at times has been kind of figuring out his role, standing next to LeBron James. And then you had Kyle Kuzma, uh, who's supposed to be the Scotty Pippen to his Michael, if you will, uh, who I think has been the strongest guy on that team. And then you deal with trade rumors. You know, the only significant move that they made was really uh, trading Zubac and trading Michael Beasley. And they got a couple shooters, and, you know, they'll be fine. Any team that plays with LeBron James, you need shooters. Right. You know, go ahead. And I was going to say, in Indiana, um, I mean, people were – I think Lonzo Ball was one one of the uh, one of the Pacers one of the Pacers one of the Lakers players was online, and the fans kept chanting, "LeBron's gonna trade you." I mean, how do they deal with that distraction moving forward? You know, this late in the season. I mean, they're professionals. That's what they they're they're they're. We're paying money to see them play. That doesn't mean they should be heckled, but it comes with the territory. And um, you know, to your point about uh, being heckled, the reason why. The Lakers and the Pelicans could not consummate a deal is because of uh, what the Pelicans wanted. I have it. I tweeted it the other day. Followed on Twitter at Scooby. I said, "As for Anthony Davis, Dems told Magic, talk about Del Dems, general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans, told Magic Johnson, uh, the the president of basketball operations, um, this is what he wanted. He wanted Alonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Zubac, Josh Hart, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, as well as." A 2019 unprotected first-round pick, a 2020 first-round pick swap, a 2021 unprotected first-round pick, a 2022 first-round swap, a 2023 unprotected first-round pick, and he wanted a 2019 and 2021 second-round pick. That's insane. And if I were Magic Johnson, I'd laugh at the guy. Said, "Thank you very much. Have a nice day. <laughs> we'll talk next time." That that that, 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 that was a that was a professional way to say we ain't doing it. Right. <laughs> and nor should they. Nor should they. I want to ask you about LeVar Ball. And um, Jer- my man Jerry Bemery wrote a column basically saying that it's time for LeVar Ball to stop interfering in the lives of his children and let them play basketball. Well, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I was with LeVar and Lonzo um, at the day before the draft, and we were at a gifting suite. And one of my photographers was with me, and, you know, I was just talking to the bar and talking to his kids. And my photographer says to Lonzo, uh, hey, man, you should really play football. You should consider it. And he looked at my photographer and said, I would, but this guy. And he pointed at his father. His father didn't hear him. And that spoke volumes. Right. Uh, you know, this is this is the dad who had the dreams of being most likely this big-time athlete. And, you know, he had his stints in the NFL that didn't pan out. And then you have these athletically gifted kids, and you want what's best for them. But they're grown. Right. Because there was a point where Richard Williams had to get a, had to let, you know, Serena and Venus grow up. I mean, there's, there's going to be that point because – it's going to get to a point where it's going to affect Lonzo's trade and you know, you know, tradeability because no one wants that distraction of Levar Ball kind of talking, you know, criticizing the coach, um, just kind of being out there, you know, taking shots at people. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh-huh. But you know, at the end of the day, I think that what gets lost in translation is as much as people are upset about Levar and his interfering. The brand side of things is something that I think people sniff their nose at, but he's a smart businessman. If you really sit and you think about it, he sold controversy and pushed smoke and got more money for his kids and their brand before they stepped foot on an NBA basketball court. That's true. I think in this day and age, the power of brand is so important. 
and he realized it, he mastered it. And as and I think when you look at LeBron James, who kind of thumbed his nose up at the president of the United States in an interview with Don Lemon and got a response, which got more attention about his I Promise school, and when you look at LeVar Ball doing the same tactic with Trump, with, you know, and Trump using that attention to talk about how he got his son, LiAngelo, out of jail in China, they all are doing the same thing. They're all sparking people's attention. They're all trolling. And whether you want to admit it or not, no publicity is that publicity, and they're winning at life. Wow. Well, I, I agree. You know, I, I'm, I'm not hating on it, but I just wonder. I just wonder at some point because, um, and I'm wondering if if Lonzo's dealing with the pressure of having to live up to that marketing. I mean, that's 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 a hard. I mean, and he's playing well. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he is. He, he's a good player, but yes and no. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Why? Because when you, I'm a, I'm a fan of hip hop. I'm 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 more Jay Z than I am, you know, Sugar Hill Gang or Kumo D or or or, or African Mbada Cool Herc. But I, I respect those guys. And right, you, you look at Jay early on. His manager was Damon Dash. Right. And they played the good cop bad cop role. Jay Z was quiet. Damon Dash was loud. Damon Dash was really voicing the things that Jay wanted to say. Right, but, but couldn't say as the talent, and I looked at that same situation with Lavar and Lonzo the same way. Right, and I know that over the summer Lonzo was on the trading block, and all of a sudden he tore his meniscus. Wow, so they couldn't move him, so he's making sure he protects his assets, which is the talent, which is the artist, and which is the basketball player, which is Lonzo. But what I will give Lavar credit for is he's been quiet most of the season. Right, right. Yeah, he has been. He has been. I will say, yeah, you're right. He has been. He has been quiet. But I want to switch gears a little bit to talk about, um, you know, I got I got to bring in the local thing. And people here are really excited and all that. And my previous guest from the Delaware County Towns, Jack McCaffrey, we talked about the whole Markel Fultz thing. And um, this is what McCaffrey was telling me that, a lot of times, these 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 scouting services, these draft nicks, I don't know, is they they overvalue a guy. I mean, Markel Fultz was a guy who, when he was at Washington, won just two conference games, and his team, you know, really didn't do anything. And um, when you look at guy, I mean, how is it is it still kind of impossible to tell? Is it kind of a almost like a like like you know casting dice or playing the lottery a little bit when it comes down to evaluating who's going to be a bust and who's not going to be a bust? Who's a sure hit? I mean, everybody you know everybody seems to think that Danny Ainge pulled a fast one in getting Jason Tatum. I take that and raise you this. Okay, uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, one time, and he this was before Ben Simmons got drafted, and uh, his argument was, I don't think that Ben Simmons should go to the draft, and anybody who does not make the tournament shouldn't go to the draft. Right. Look at Ben Simmons has turned out so far. Right. I feel like, and I respect Charles, that's my dude, but I feel like, you know, when you evaluate talent, there's no possible way that you can evaluate somebody and think that they're going to you sometimes people can fool you look at Steph Curry right Steph Curry people didn't think he was going to be anything coming out of Davidson and he proved everybody wrong now he dealt with some injuries right that early in his career that, that hindered his progress but he ended up making out alright um, I think in the case of Markel Fultz uh, I will tell you that back in November for those who are listening I was the one who let out that report that Markel Fultz's shoulder was a result of a potential motorcycle accident that I was privy to. Wow. Up the range of motion. And, you know, the Internet, that was something the Internet took and ran with. And when it came out that he had TOS, uh, what happened was one of the things that they said is the cause of it is trauma. Trauma from an automobile accident or what have you. Mm. So the source who shared that information with me was a reliable source close to the team and let me know what time it was. I think when you look at Markel Fultz and the move to Orlando, it gives him a second life because he can be low profile. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be in Philly. Right. He doesn't have to be in New York or L.A. and he can rehab his career. The other thing that he has in his advantage is the fact 
that Orlando needs a second guard, particularly at the point guard position. DJ Augustine uh, has been good for Orlando, but he needs help, particularly if you're looking to make a late playoff run and playoff push in the second half of the season. I think it's a win-win for both parties. And uh, maybe he needs to be out of the bright lights of Philly because he can still shoot and he can play make. But once you saw the Sixers get Jimmy Butler, you kind of knew that his that, that Mark, Markel Fultz's role was going to diminish. Wow. One more thing before I let you guys. I, I don't want to because I know I know you're, in, you're 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 a very busy man. I, you know, okay. someone told me the other day, or, or I was watching ESPN, watching all the shows. I, I check around all, all just to, before I do this show. I'm, I'm kind of looking at everybody. There are some people who are arguing that the Philadelphia 76ers with Tobias Harris. They have the second, maybe arguably the best starting five or the second best starting five next to the Golden State Warriors. What are your thoughts on that? They got to gel and they got to be together before you start making comparisons. I think in today's day and age, it's easy to put things together and start getting excited. They still got to play some basketball, and there were points in the game last night that they weren't playing any defense. Oh, I, absolutely. My man, you, got, you, you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right about that. So, as far as I'm concerned, I'm from I, I, I'm in New York, but right now I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. Uh huh. And uh, I think right now it's new. People got that excitement when Jimmy Butler came in. In a minute, he and Brett Brown got into a small argument in the tape room that they were ready to throw them under the bus. I like Tobias Harris a lot. Um, spent some time with him last summer uh, and have followed his career uh, since he got out of college at Tennessee. No, actually, uh, one of his trainers. His trainer, uh, I put this out there, his trainer, uh, Jay Hernandez, is now assistant coach with the Charlotte Hornets. He actually trained Kimba Walker when he first came into the league, was coming into the league, and you know has worked with both Tobias and Kimba in Charlotte and in Orlando, respectively. Kimba was a borderline all-star uh, last, excuse me, Tobias was a borderline all-star last year. That trade from Detroit to L.A. kind of hindered his growth. And I think Philadelphia is right next door to Dix Hill, New York, on Long Island, where he's from. And I think that Tobias Harris is in a great situation. And if they're able to get Jimmy to come back and buy into all of them to buy into a system, I think they can build something that will be great for the next three to five years. But, you know, the only thing is, but not necessarily in 27 games. Uh, we have 27 games to kind of get it together before the playoffs. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. You know, and one one of our local columnists is saying that this is going to be the test of Brett Brown's coaching. Yep. Okay. I agree. All right. Brandon, a guy, thank you so much because we've got to go to break. And um, and I want to get you back to where to what you were doing. Thank you, as always, for You're being welcome. here with us, man. And um, like I say again, where, where can we find the Scoop B podcast? Scoop B Radio is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or ScoopBRadio.com. We got 3.5 million streams last year, 2.5 million streams in 2017. And had anybody from Mark Cuban, DJ Khaled, the voice of Siri, Jamal Crawford and more. Uh, and, and we're growing, man. Please subscribe to Scoopy Radio Podcast and thanks for supporting. All right. Thank you, Brandon. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to 96.1 FM, 900 AM, WURD, Black Talk Media, the Chris Murray Report. We'll be right back. For your next eye exam, think Nostalgic Eye Care. Give us a call at 215-842-5939 or visit us at NostalgicEyeCare.com. An eye care experience that will last a lifetime. Schedule your appointment today. We look forward to seeing you. The Overbrook Plaza Pharmacy, where you come as a customer and leave as a friend, will pick up and deliver to your door. Stop by today to set up your account. 5610 Lancaster Avenue and the Overbrook Plaza Shopping Center. You will enjoy a warm, friendly atmosphere and professional service. No more standing in line. Overbrook Pharmacy accepts Medicare as well as all insurance plans. Complete vitamin and mineral supplements, wound and diabetic care. Ask about our senior citizens discount. Call now. 215-921-3656. That's 215-921-3656. Join Love Now Media for our Valentine's Day event and the release of our Love Story publication with the theme, Learning to Love. Featuring a short film by rapper and criminal justice reform activist, Mary Baxter, and music by Charisma. Come get your copy of Little Love Stories and Share in the Love at Philly Cam, located at 699 Randstead Street. On Valentine's Day, February 14th from 6 to 8 p.m., the event is free. Learn more at Facebook forward slash Love Now Media, RSVP at lovenowmedia.ticketleaf.com. 
Radio.com. You're listening to Word Radio, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD, independent black media. back ladies and gentlemen now um talked a lot of basketball i want to kind of flip it back super bowl rams new england patriots first of all let me say this but let me give you this disclaimer gotta give the patriots credit you know for all their super bowls we joke about the fact that a lot of the patriots aren't the most popular team i don't particularly like the new england patriots but a guy as as a football historian as a journalist gotta give them credit Six Super Bowls and nine tries, ten straight AFC Championship games. Yes, Tom Brady has solidified himself as one of the great quarterbacks in the game. Is he the greatest? That's up to debate. I think he might. You can make an argument. But one of the things that bothered me about that game, amongst a lot of things that bothered me about the game, is the fact that the uh, the Rams, the Rams got severely outcoached. And the irony to all that is that, you know, Sean McVay, God bless him. I'm sure he'll, you know, he may come back next year. Who knows? The Rams might win it all. But at the end of the day, he got outcoached. He was supposed to be the boy wonder. He is the boy wonder. He is the guy who every when it comes down to people looking for NFL coaches, when it comes down to people who are looking for coaches, he's the he was the boy wonder. To the point to where a lot of African-American coaches who were looking for jobs probably got overlooked because people were enamored, uh, people were trying to find their own version of, they're trying to find their own version of Sean McVay. And so, now Sean McVay, who helped improve the Washington Redskins offense, never won a championship. Never been in a championship game. And what happens, he's like this, he's like, he's, he's this hot commodity. Commodity in the game. Gets into the Super Bowl. New England throws all kinds of packages at them. And there was no adjustment. It looked as if uh, Sean McVay and Jared Goff were like, uh, were like deer in headlights. I mean, they, they were completely overwhelmed by the moment. It was incredible to watch. It was incredible to just to witness. And I'm sitting here, well, I'm sitting here watching. I'm thinking the Rams going to make some adjustments. He has to make some adjustments. And show sure enough, show sure enough, he doesn't. And he just got out coached in every way. One of the things that happened this week was John Mitchell, the Philadelphia Tribune, wrote an interesting article that you should see in Monday, in, uh, I think it was Tuesday's Tribune, where he talked about the fact that he, this is what he calls it, and John Mitchell's on the line with this. He calls it the WGBOTD, or the White Guy Benefit of the Doubt. Okay, in other words, as black coaches somehow get sort of systematically free, frozen out, even with the Rooney rule, he was saying that the white guys tend to get the benefit of the doubt and get all the benefits of that. And so, John, I was, you know, from your perspective, I mean, am, am, am I interpreting your article correctly? Uh, yeah, good, good morning, Chris. You, you actually are. Uh the white guy benefit of the doubt is something that is given to bestowed upon white people in general, white men in particular, uh, where there is very little required of them to prove that they are ready to ascend to the top of the mountaintop. Um, and, and Sean McVay is a perfect example. Uh, you know, Sean McVay got his first 
head coaching job. He's the youngest coach in the history of the league, 30 years old. Got that job after two years as a, as a coordinator, offensive coordinator in Washington, where he did do a good job. They went to one playoff, they split. Um, and But the next thing you know, he's getting the head, head coaching job in L.A. Uh, and it just demonstrates how quickly uh, white men get to these positions uh, with, with, with having to prove very little. Because they are given the assumption that somehow they will become, you know, a superstar in the field. Whereas you have to institute something like the Rooney Rule just to get African Americans in the league. And as you and I both know, uh, in the first 82 years of the NFL's existence with a league that's just completely dominated by African American men, uh, you know, they, they only hired seven African American coaches up to, you know, in the first 82 years of, uh, of, of the NFL. Uh, and if you look at the African Americans who have gotten the job since the Rooney Rule was instituted in 2003, and for people who don't know what the Rooney Rule is, it basically just mandates that an African American candidate has to at least be brought into the room, you know, for the dog and pony show that is an interview with uh, coaches and general managers. And if you look at the average age of the, of the black coaches who have become coaches under the Rooney Rule, the average age is 47. Uh, so if you compare that to Sean McVay, and, and the thing you have to look at Sean McVay is uh, not only was he, you know, hired at such a young age, but other coaches who just happened to touch his garment, um, young white guys, how they became head coaches this year. You know, you can look at... Um, you know, Green Bay hiring 39-year-old Matt LaFleur, uh, who was the offensive coordinator under uh, McVay, then moved to Tennessee, and now he's the head coach in Green Bay. Uh, you can look at uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who was a college coach who got fired at Texas Tech, uh, and then literally had his uh, pick of the litter. He uh, accepted the job at USC as, their, as, their, uh, as a coach on their staff. Maybe the offensive coordinator head coach, I'm not particularly sure. He was offensive uh, coordinator there. Off- offensive coordinator, and you know he had his pick of the litter. He was interviewed by the Jets, uh, by three NFL teams. I think the Jets, Phoenix, and um, uh, I, I forget who the other team was, but you know he's a head coach now um, in Phoenix. Wow! So it just it just demonstrates that uh, where whereas the white guys with very little experience, and and, it, and this is across not just NFL coaching, but it's just across America. Right. Where white people are given opportunities at a much younger age, and the assumption with no proof, with with no tangible evidence, they're given the assumption that they can be successful. And I, I think a perfect example of that is if you look at uh, uh, if you look at uh, Chucky in, um, uh, with the Raiders. Oakland, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you John Gruden. Him, uh, John Gruden. You know, John Gruden was out of the league for nine years. Right. And the league changed. The league went from a, a run-first league to a pass-first league. <clears throat> uh, and, and all Gruden did was sit in a, uh, a, a, an announcer's box and analyze games. And next thing you know, Oakland shows up for him with a 10-year, $100 million fully guaranteed contract. So you have no proof. He's been away from the game for nine years. And even worse than that, the, his general manager was a TV analyst. Never right, never right. been with the NFL team. Could you or I get away with that? No, not at all. And, and the term I apply to African Americans is they get satchel page. Mm. And, and so in a sense, what that means is we all know satchel page is a great pitcher who was not given a chance to pitch in the majors until he was well into his 40s. Um, and was an all-star. Right. And, you know, so, so the, the, the opportunities arrive for African-Americans, and that's borne out. They, they arrive much later, and that's borne out in the fact that the average age of the black coaches who have gotten NFL head coaching jobs is 47. And if you look at these white guys, you've got Cliff Kingsbury, he's 37. You have the floor, he's 39. And you have... Uh, Sean McVay. And I, I think Sean McVay is a good coach, don't get me wrong. Right. But the whole point of the article is that, you know, there are other, you know, look at the tree. Right. Look at the, you know, you know create the tree where African Americans get this responsibility or this opportunity to succeed at a young age. Because, you know, the younger age that you succeed at, if you're given that opportunity, it just means you've got a longer time to be successful. Right. You know, you look, you look, you look at Romeo Cornell. Romeo Cornell came off of Philip Belichick. 
uh, coaching tree. Romeo Cornell didn't get his chance to coach an NFL team until he was at the age of 58. Right. So it just it's so, so so that's the that is what the white guy benefit of the doubt is. It is basically being nice and having something bestowed upon you that you haven't earned. Right. And the assumption that you will ascend to the top of your profession. Yeah. I mean, I look at a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, African-American. I remember during his playing days at Colorado. And yet, the thing I hear about him is, is, is well, Andy Reid's calling the plays for him. And I'm like, you know, he, he doesn't get to be a hot shot commodity as offensive coordinator. I, I'm sure he has some input or some planning in that, and no one, and you know, Patrick, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs came, you know, a bad defense and some questionable calls away from going to the Super Bowl. And so I, you know, why doesn't that guy get a chance? Yeah, well, I, 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 it's, it's the assumption again that, well, without, you know, you have reports going in and out of these locker rooms. You and I both know this, who don't even ask those questions. It's just an assumption. And I'll give you a perfect example of what we're experiencing right now in the city of Burley Love. Right. When Elton Brand, when Elton was hired as the general manager of the uh, 76ers, you, what, what did you hear about Elton? You heard in the media, unfounded, uncorroborated, that Elton was just a figurehead. Right. That Elton, young African-American from Duke University, would not have the opportunity to mold this franchise. Right. been founded for so long. Well, now, fast forward, and Elton was far away, by mm. far, the most active general manager at the trade deadline. Right. He dominated the trade deadline. Right. He absolutely dominated. The 76ers entrusted upon him the opportunity to develop their franchise. So, but, but if you remember, the Inquirer, uh, a few other, you know, a few other outlets, uh, the, you know, the Athletic, a lot of the outlets around the city just made the assumption. Right. This guy's a figurehead. And mm-hmm. you know, that gets out there and people start believing it like it's fact. And right. It just simply isn't. Yeah. And so there you have it. You're, you're, you're actually literally seeing the fallacy of it right here in the city. Yeah. And another place you probably should see it is uh, down in Baltimore with Ozzie Newsom as a general manager. I mean, right. in his tenure down there, he had two Super Bowls, um, had a couple of Hall of Fame linebackers. I mean, one, I mean, one Hall of Fame linebacker, one Hall of Fame safety, um, um, Ed Reed, and um, offensive line. I mean, it seems like those guys are few and far between. If 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 there is a Ozzie Newsome, if there are other black coaches out here, like for example Jim Caldwell, one of the reasons why you know the Ravens have that second Super Bowl. Jim Caldwell took over as offensive coordinator right. and turned Joe Flacco into a right. pat, and, and right. then but then he struggles in Detroit. Where, where does he end? He, he never gets another coaching opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah, the rug gets pulled right off from under your feet, and you're you know you are. I mean, that, it, it will be interesting to see uh, the African American general manager who built the Giants into the last uh, Jerry Reese. Right. You know, he, he got fired. You know, he, he stuck with an awful. Over the hill, done. Eli Manning, uh, mostly you know, mostly because that's what the uh, executives, the owners, they wanted Eli to remain, you know, the quarterback a lot in New York, and, and now he's gone. But you know, in, in his relatively short term as general manager, Jerry Reese has two Super Bowls. You know, so let's let's see where he shows up again. Yeah, and see, you know, it's interesting. Some people, you know, we get back. I remember. Um and I don't necessarily like to bring, you know, I don't like to talk about other people from other stations, but I remember we were talking about, so listen, I was listening, I think WIP or something, and I was listening to um, someone say something about Allen Iverson and, you know, and what he did. And Howard Eskin said something about, well, it was because of Larry Brown that the, that the, MB, that, that, that Iverson got the, that Sixers team to the finals. It seems like the coaches will always take credit Coaches yeah. take credit, or people give the coaches credit, especially if it's a white guy. But you know, 
I never heard anybody during the uh, 80s when the Celtics were in their heyday give Casey Jones any credit. Right. Not even right. not even black people ever gave Casey Jones any credit right. for, for, for teaching that team. Because I remember when he took over for Bill Fitch and um, he turned that he turned the, the Celtics into a, yeah. a, a up and down the court team that that can hang with the Lakers. Yeah, and, and if you remember, there was a, a you know you had a, a wide range of personalities, and so much of coaching the team is getting the personality to coalesce as one. You know, you had Larry Bird, who was very brazen, you know, great play. I mean, his greatness speaks for itself. You had Kevin McHale, and you had guys like the Chief, you know, who were kind of sullen and off to themselves. And, and, and Casey had to make all that come together and call that. Right. And, and he did, you know. But again, then it was, you know, you, you never really heard him give him full credit for the marvelous coaching, and, you know, for that incredible stretch run uh, that the Celtics had under him. Right. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. A, a player told me years ago that the, 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 the ownership brass is still, you know, somewhat uncomfortable with um, having a black face as the face of their franchise. I'm not saying this is all NFL franchises, but there's still that reluctance in either the coaching position and the quarterback position. What do you see in the two positions in pro football that always... There's always some issue with either the black quarterback, everybody, every other position, middle linebacker, safety, and all that other stuff. There's never an issue, but between between the quarterback and the coach, all of a sudden, there's that question there. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, uh, my thoughts on. Was it by me again? No, no, I was saying that at the quarterback position and the coaching position, it seems like the ownership brass of these NFL teams are always uncomfortable. There seems to be kind of an uncomfortability with those guys with, with, with a black face as yeah. a as a face of their franchise. Yeah, I um I, I mean as slow as it's coming, you know, you know, between all the Colin Kaepernick stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, if you look at the NFL head coaches situation, they went from eight coaches this past season, which I think was actually a high. Uh, and they only, they, they fired five and hired one, Brian Flores, you know, in Miami. And I, I think that it, it's gradually progressing, progressing. And I think what you'll see is, you know, I think in the next round, you'll see next round of coaching hires, because we know as, as we speak, from Black Monday, uh, you know, at the end of the NFL season, there'll be about seven more openings, you know, across the NFL. And I think you'll probably see some more African-American coaches there. But I, I think there has traditionally, you know, there have traditionally been some positions uh, dominated, you know, coaching being one of them. Uh, in, in Major League Baseball, it's always been the pitchers, That's which is why we like we love guys like Vida Blue, you know, Ferguson, Jenkins, and those guys are coming around. Those positions were seen as positions that were almost set aside, uh, for white guys, uh, the quarterback position is is changing um, because now you're seeing guys like Lamar Jackson, you know, come out of Louisville and go to Baltimore and supplant a Joe Flacco uh, because of his a, a unique skill set, right? A, a unique skill set. I, I, you know, ultimately in the NFL, if you're going to play quarterback, you must learn and you must improve as a pocket pass. Otherwise, you're just not going to. You can't survive the NFL doing the same thing Lamar Jackson did in college. No. You know, so, um, but but I, I do see that changing. You know, you see more African Americans. You know, you, you see the Deshaun Watsons. You see the Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, as good as anybody. Yeah, I'm not, the, the Russell Wilson as good as anybody in the league at that position. <clears throat> you know, you're seeing more and more African American quarterbacks. Uh, Colin Kaepernick aside. So uh, it, it is improving, but, you know, again, going back to my article with, with, with the coaches, it's just when the opportunity begins. Right. You know, it, it, it's the, the difference where the African-American has to cr- climb Mount Kilimanjaro to get to the top of the field. Many of the white guys just have to step over an anthill. Right. Okay, I gotta go to break because I because I got some because because I want to interrogate not interrogate but I want to ask you some more questions about this because I think you bring up some interesting points some good points. 
Um, I want to talk about the whole idea once you've been fired, how you get recycled. So we'll talk. I want you to hold that thought mm-hmm. for a second. Mm-hmm. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to 96.1 FM and and 900 AM WRD Black Talk Media. The Chris Murray Report. We'll be right back. Independence is a precious thing, but now and then everyone needs a little help. Isn't it good to know that getting the help you need doesn't mean drastically changing your life? Always Best Care Philly and Delaware is there to give you just the amount of help you need, from a few hours a week to as many hours as you need, handling everything from light housekeeping to meals and so much more. Don't struggle. Contact Always Best Care and see how easy it is to age in place. Call us at 302-409-3710 or visit alwaysbestcaredelaware.com. This Black History Month vignette is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Lottery. Octavius Valentine Caddo was a black educator, intellectual, and civil rights activist born in Charleston, South Carolina. He was also known for being a cricket and baseball player in 19th century Philadelphia. Caddo began his education at Vaux Primary School and then Lombard Grammar School, both segregated institutions. In 1853, he entered the all-white Allentown Academy. Later, he became a student at the Institute for Colored Youth, later known as Cheney University, where he taught until his death. In addition to his other activist interests, the Civil War increased Caddo's activism for abolition and equal rights. He joined with Frederick Douglass and other black leaders to form a recruitment committee to sign up black men to fight for the Union and emancipation. Acting with Douglass and the Union League, Caddo helped raise 11 regiments of the United States colored troops in the Philadelphia area. Caddo fought fearlessly for the desegregation of Philadelphia's trolley car system. His crusade for equal rights was capped in March 1860 when Pennsylvania voted to pass the 15th Amendment, which guaranteed the right to vote regardless of race. This Black History Month, we honor Octavius Valentine Caddo, a voice for social change. This Black History Month vignette was brought to you by the Pennsylvania Lottery. Benefits older Pennsylvanians, must be 18 or older, please play responsibly. A Place Like Home 2, located 2276 George's Lane, provides a clean and active environment for seniors, including referrals, daily cognitive therapy, podiatry, exercise, arts, and crafts. Call 215-878-1200 now. You're listening to Word Radio, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD, independent black media. Okay, we're back. We got John Mitchell from the Philadelphia Tribune online with us talking about black coaches. One of the things, John, that, you know, it's interesting you say the white guy gets the benefit of the doubt. You know, I've seen white guys in the NFL, Bruce Arians, people like that. And no offense to them, I like Bruce Arians. He coached here at Temple. But, you know, they can get fired from jobs. Some in some situations they have lose even with losing records they get recycled around, and so the the the, the guy I can't remember, name his name is name was not on top of my not on top of my head the guy from the uh, the uh, Denver Broncos gets fired after one after one bad oh, yeah. season and all that it seems like a black coach when he gets in there he has to be. He has to perfect, be not be perfect, but at least get a team to the playoffs, even when he doesn't have everything he needs in talent. I mean, Hugh Jackson, you know, gets put in a situation where he, he has nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, when he gets something, then he's pushed to the side. Can you? I was wondering if you could talk about that and how that relates to what you were trying to say in your article. Uh, yeah, well, well, second chances are, are are rarer for the African American coach. And if you look at the NFL, some of the guys who get the second chance, uh, you know, you know, Lovey Smith, but he didn't last long in Tampa. Uh, you know, Denny Green got a second chance. Uh, even, even you know, our, our own Ray Rose got a second chance. Uh, but it's 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 yeah, it's it's much more difficult to when you're an African American coach. So once once you're fired, you know, you 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 you'll. You, May wind up more likely as a position coach. Uh, you know, you you could, you know, some guys got to level. I mean, Ray Rules got to a level where, you know, you kind of couldn't put him, you know, as anything less than a coordinator. 
Right. But yeah, the, the same. The same is true. The um, the treadmill, and, and again, Bruce Arians is a guy a lot of a lot of people like. Uh, it's not his fault that he's been recycled, but he benefits from it. He right. From right. Change, right. White coach. Uh, you know, you, you can't knock him for that because he's born who he was born to be. Right. Uh, and, and players like playing for him. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, it, so you will see that much more frequently with white coaches. You know, guys. Uh, you know, you'll you'll be watching the playoff game and you'll see. Oh, so that's where he went. You know, he's a defensive coordinator for such and such. Right. Uh, who was hired to say, "Oh, there he is." Right. <laughs> Back at it. You know, so. Once you're on the conveyor belt, you know, the recycling never ends. Yeah, and see that that to me, you know, I I think it was I think it was John Thompson, the coach the coach of Georgetown, who once said that when when white when black coaches can be recycled around like a lot of white guys, then we may have some semblance of and I hope I hope not, you know, like misquoting him, of I guess real equality. When when you can be you know, when you when you can have a tough time as a coach because I'm wondering if Todd Bowles will ever get another head coaching job again after being in New York. And, you know, I wonder if he'll ever get, you know, get a chance to be a head coach again. I mean, because this seems like when you're a black coach, you got one time. And, and this is the thing. We've seen this in journalism. We've seen this growing up as reporters is that, you know, you screw up a job one time. All, all, all you guys one time to screw up. And all of a sudden, that one screw up becomes the the, the, the definition of your life. Would you say that, that that's also a situation for black coaches? Uh, not so much as it is for black journalists. You know, black, black right. journalists get screwed over. It's, buddy, you better go out and get that Mr. Soft truck running. Right. We're not bring, we're not bringing you back to the show. Um, you know, you know, I, I think Bulls will get another opportunity. I, I, I think again, I, I think that things are getting better. I will say that. You know, I, I think Todd Bowles has demonstrated, you know, he's had some very, very good, successful runs as defensive coordinator. The Jets didn't do him any favors when he was the head coach there from the standpoint of uh, of drafting uh, and, and free agency. They, they just didn't do him any favors. So I, I think you'll see him show up again. Uh, but, but you know, and, and Sean, Sean McVay is eventually going to get fired in, in L.A. at some point. But... You know, he, he could have this long run like Andy Reid had. And, and, and again, I'm not. I think Andy Reid's an excellent coach. Right. Uh, you know, so so he could, we could see him coaching the Rams for, for a long time. And as we know, once things go south there, you know they'll they'll, they'll pull the rug out from under his feet. But it's getting better for African American coaches. But it's, it's getting better. It's, again, we're talking about a league that's 70 percent African American. And again, uh, you are not allowed. To fail as magnanimously as, as whites are, and it's, it's interesting you, you you bring up that point. I remember listening to uh, Chris Rock talking about his condo uh, where he lived, and you know he was said you know the, the only black people who lived in that condo with him uh, were Patrick Ewing, you know Hall of Fame basketball player, right? Uh, uh, Mary J. Blige, a Hall of Fame musician, and himself. These are all extraordinary. People, he said, his next door neighbor who's white is is Joe the dentist, right? You know, or, or Bob the professor. You know, so it just kind of it just it, it just speaks to the racial stratification in in, in America. You know, and, and it's made worse. The perception is is overblown that blacks are ascending in so many other areas because you have a you have a white liberal media uh, that portrays itself as the friend of black people. But then when you turn around, you look at what CBS did in terms of hiring African-Americans uh, for its team of 12 reporters to be the digital reporters covering the 2020 presidential election. Uh, and they didn't hire any African-Americans. Right. You know, so right. so it, it, it replicates itself. Not just, I mean, you, you use football, but you can use anything. You know, right. talk, to, talk, talk to black doctors. Right. Uh, look, look at where where are the number of African American faces? I mean, Philadelphia is forty three percent African American. Right. You turn on sports star, our, 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 our biggest sports stars, with the exception of Carson Wentz, are African Americans. Uh, but where, going back decades, do you see an African American given the opportunity to talk on WIP ninety four point one or the fan ninety seven point five? Where where are their black employees? during the day, you know, when people are listening most. 
Yeah. So that you know, so so when something happens like uh, Riley Cooper wants to fight every nigger he sees, you know, at, at 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 a rock and roll concert, they don't have enough people who are black to really give you a black perspective on what that means. Yeah. Or it's like um, they. It's like or, or they'll have some black guy who will if if, if here, no let, let, let me let me run this back. It seems like to be on WIP, and I've and I've been a guest on WIP usually late as night. I, as have I. Yeah, we've been on we've been on there, and the thing is, is that to be a host on IP or um or or the fanatic or you know the, the or those other stations, you have to be a former athlete. You had to be yeah, you, you had to be an ex, an ex player. And you mean to tell me all these kids who are majoring in journalism and are, and, and, and and not to mention you you myself Don Hunt others Daryl Bell and and the whole host of us out here you know or even somebody like or Don Bell or somebody like yeah. that you mean to tell me now you're, you're nighttime you are relegated well, to nighttime time? And, and, I, and I give you that to cut you <sighs> off but we can go back you know to your old neighborhood where you know I spent many years in Washington covering the Wizards. And I, John Thompson is my guy. I've always liked John Thompson. And John used to bring me on his show uh, on 980 down there. And, and he and I used, I used to joke with him. I, I said, hey, John, look, here you are, the first African-American coach ever to win an NCAA championship. You're on a show with uh, Brian Mitchell, who's arguably the greatest special teams football player uh, in, in the history of the NFL. And uh, 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 Doc, uh, what's, what's the uh, tight end's name with the red skin? Uh, Doc Walker, Rick Doc Walker. Doc, Doc Walker. So all the other hosts are black. And this one show has two times two point winning tight end is African American. Yeah. That's hey. one of the greatest African American coaches in the history of the game. And, and, and Brian Mitchell. People who are elite in what they do, but there are no black hosts there. So. Right. No, I, I I agree. I agree. We've been talking about this before. We got to go. Sorry about that, John, but I definitely appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time, and I want to thank my guests like John Mitchell. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate you. Thank uh, Jack McCaffrey, Daryl Bell, and Brandon Robinson, the Scoopy Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the Chris Murray Report is out of time. We'll see you next week. The law offices of Rhonda Hill Wilson have been fighting for the rights of injured individuals and medical negligence in nursing homes for 25 years. Rhonda Hill Wilson will guide you through the often complicated and confusing legal process to help you obtain a fair outcome for you and your loved ones. The office is located at 1500 JFK Boulevard, Suite 820 in Center City. For more information, call 215-972-0400. Check out the website, rhwilson.com. Listen to Laborers Live. We created the weekend. We created the 40-hour work week. We just want enough to feed our family, be able to send our children to college, and let our next generation do better than we did. To people that might have forgot how important unionism is in a country like the United States. People now infringing on our eight-hour workday, kind of work people more than eight hours without overtime, kind of work people without benefits. In the long run, everybody's getting a fat paycheck except the worker. So this is really a wake-up call for America. The struggle is continuous. Tune in to Laborers Live every Friday from 4 to 5 p.m. Sponsored by Lessit, the Laborers Employers Cooperation Education Trust of the Laborers District Council of Philadelphia and Vicinity. Local 332, Sam Staten Jr. Business Manager. Local 57, Esteban Vera Business Manager. Local 135, Dan Woodall Jr. Business Manager. Local 413, James Harper Jr. Business Manager. The Laborers District Council, Ryan Boyer Business Manager. And Tony Staten, Executive Director of Lessit. This Black History Month, the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts pays homage to multi-Grammy award-winning singer, pianist and producer Alicia Keys. Born in New York City, Alicia signed a deal with Clive Davis after graduating from the Professional Performing Arts School. Her debut album, Songs in A Minor, went platinum five times over, earning her five Grammys. Keys' unstoppable career continued in 2007 with the release of As I Am, with the album debuting at number one. Outside of music, Keys appeared in films including The Secret Life of Bees and serving as a judge on the TV show The Voice. In 2017, Keys took her social justice platform to a national stage, speaking and performing as a part of the Women's March on Washington, alongside Angela Davis, Janelle Monet, and more. Her message resonated to women that our potential is unlimited. We rise. This celebration of African-American history is brought to you by the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts. Visit KimmelCenter.org. 
Celebrating black history all day, every day. Maddie Humphreys. You can't proclaim that people have inalienable rights from a common creator. And say you own some of those people. This is Word Radio, 96.1 FM. And 900 AM WURD. Philadelphia, independent black media. The views and opinions expressed by the guests, listeners, and hosts of any program on Word Radio do not necessarily reflect those of ownership, management, or advertisers of this station. You're listening to the best of Word Radio. Wake up with Word. Philadelphia Council Member Helen Gim joins Wake Up with Word to talk about a plan to phase out.